Can we take a moment and just pray together? God, we are in awe of you as creator. So right now, Lord, we praise you for that. We give you glory and honor with our breath because it's really just yours that we have on loan. Thank you for calling this universe into existence to give you glory. And so we take our place in that great drama today and do that. We come to you, Lord, to um, repent of our sin, as David mentioned earlier, to renounce it, and to accept your grace in Jesus. We come to you today to uh, lift up various needs. Some will go unmentioned today, Lord. Others maybe have been shared in the hallway. Um, we all pray for our country today, Lord, uh, coming out of uh, this election this week. And uh, we lift up uh, the nation of America and the people of America to you uh, and ask you to once again continue to guide this country just like our founders asked you to do. Um, we pray, Lord, that we would always be uh, on mission to bring your kingdom into the world, uh, that your righteousness would reign, and that we could each take our place in doing that by sharing our faith with somebody that we know. Please put people into our lives and into our path this week for us to share your good news with. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When is the last time that you moved? Remember, the, remember your last move? It was just about two and a half years ago for us, so it, I remember it pretty well. For some of you, it may have been years ago or even decades ago the last time you made a move, and I have never heard of an easy way to move. It's just not easy to do. No, it, with local, cross-country, doesn't matter. I, I don't think an easy way to move exists. It, maybe it says more about us as a society than we'd like to admit, that we're too materialistic, we're too attached to our stuff, that we have to hire a truck to move it all, you know, instead of just throwing it all in the back of a picket you know, a friend's pickup truck and having it back up to your house and then just stop and whoosh, it all goes out in the driveway. It, it's, it, moving is always a pain. And you know what the hardest part is? Getting good boxes. That's the hardest part about the whole thing. It's such a hassle. It's really hard to find good boxes that are clean and solid and free and don't smell like pickled bananas. Don't ask. The good news is we live in a golden age of convenience and comfort. If you have to move these days, the struggle to find good boxes is over. Watch. <laughs> they are talking. Uh, we're having a glitch here, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Rent a moving box. Save time, money, and the environment with our sturdy, ready-to-pack, reusable moving boxes delivered directly to your door. Rent a moving box. Isn't it time you think outside the cardboard box? <laughs> if you couldn't hear, he dropped the urn with her father's ashes. 
that's what happened at the beginning of the, of the thing there. That's a real thing, by the way. It never fails to amaze me that as a nation, we managed to put a man on the moon before we figured out how to put wheels on suitcases and rent moving boxes to people. I can't wrap my head around This is just amazes me. Think about it. You're making a simple local move. You only need the box for like a week or two, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, I've got stuff I still haven't unpacked. Getting boxes, getting rid of the boxes, it's such a pain. It's such a hassle. It'd be a whole lot easier if we could find a box that was designed to move. Israel had a box that was designed to move. You've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, open them to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We're continuing our series on the Ark of the Covenant today. Last week we talked about how God uh, commanded Israel to build the Ark. The Hebrew word for Ark, translated Ark, is just the normal word box. And that we talked about how the Ark was a symbol of God's presence among His people. We're going to continue to talk about that language today. Today we're going to talk about how the Ark became the representation of the fact that Israel's God was a God on the move. The ark was a moving box. So I want to thank you for being here today. Uh, if, it's, if you're new here at Chapel Rock, I'd love to meet you when we're done. I'll be down front. Please come say hi. If you're joining us online, thanks for logging in. We're grateful that you do that. We'll uh, talk more about that here in a second. Today really is a special day uh, here, uh, not just because the Colts are coming off a win and playing at home. Uh, today is a special day uh, because for two reasons. First of all, one that's significant to us here at Chapel Rock and another that's significant to us as Americans. Uh, both of them have to do with the number 100. Uh, first of all, the, the reason that it's significant for us here, today marks our 100th uh, live streaming day. Uh, that, that blows me. How many of you have ever watched us online because you couldn't be here? Look at that. Isn't that cool? I mean, I have too. One day we were on vacation, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to check in on my church. Um, so that's awesome. Let me give you some statistics about this. We started doing this on December 25th, 2016. Uh, the highest number of people we've ever had watching is 342, uh, which was, the, the weather was just awful that day. And I, probably that's when most of you did that. They just raised your hand. Um, so we had 342 people watching. We have viewers worldwide. Uh, oftentimes we'll get people from Europe. We've had some from Central and South America as well. Uh, for our more tech-savvy uh, shut-ins, this has become a great resource. Some of you maybe have helped someone get online and watch. Uh, for people who are in the hospital, uh, when, they're, when they're in there, they're able to, to you know, on their phone, uh, touch base and connect with their church. Uh, we have 24 different sermon series that have been live-streamed to date uh, and are available in our archive online. Uh, there are 99 of those are sermons. We had one uh, special day uh, where we did other stuff. And then this is the coolest thing to me. This ministry actually helped a high school student here at Chapel Rock find his college major. Um, a young man, Ben Steiner, uh, was sitting right down there where Bill is uh, oftentimes and run our cameras and got so excited by this that he is now studying communications at Ball State. And it's just cool to see how God has, has used this. This team, led by Zach Camp, uh, does wonders given the relatively limited set of tools at their disposal. And even then, they could do more, but for the lack of people in, in the ministry. Uh, our biggest limitation right now is that we don't have enough people uh, to help. And you don't have to be a super tech wizard to do this. It helps if we've got a few of those folks, but at the end of the day, um, some, of what, some of what we need is someone to do this. How many of you can do this? <laughs> that 
you could help. Uh, if you can follow directions whispered in your ear, uh, that's a great thing. And so uh, if you're joining us online, happy 100. Woo! You know, I don't have the little buzzer thing. Um, but uh, if you want to help in that way, you can be part of a ministry that impacts literally hundreds of people every week. Uh, we started off averaging around 100. Now, most weeks, there are about 200 or so people watching. Uh, that, that varies. It, it, you watch the graph, it kind of dips, and as the weather gets worse, you'll see it go up, I'm sure. But uh, if you want to be part of that ministry, you can go to chapelrock.org slash serve and, uh, and get plugged in with us there. Uh, we would love to have you serve. If that's something you feel like God could use you to do, uh, you're going to connect with a lot of people. So happy 100, okay? Uh, the second and more important uh, day to all of us here in America is that today is Veterans Day. Uh, it was 100 years ago today. That the armistice to end World War I was signed. hundred years ago today. And so our text for today is a somewhat martial and even militant passage. And so it's fitting, I think, that we take a moment to recognize and thank those who serve their country and risked uh, life and limb uh, to protect and secure the freedoms that we all enjoy every day. So if you're a veteran... Uh, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, would you please stand? We want to recognize you today. If you're a veteran, would you do that, please? Thank you. Thank you for serving your country. Uh, one of our uh, dearly beloved uh, veterans, uh, Willie Dickin, uh, who was in Patton's Third Army, rolled across Europe, uh, went, to be ho went home to be with the Lord this week. We just, we don't know anything more than that. I'm not even sure when he died. I just had a note today. Uh, many of you saw Willie for a while. He sat over here in his uh, wheelchair. He used to be over by that door, uh, handing out bulletins for a while. That's what he, that's where he, that was his position, uh, he, his station. Uh, when I first came here to Chapel Rock, I met Willie. And so just be in prayer for Willie's family, if you would, uh, and friends, and just, uh, he, he's uh, long, faithful service here at Chapel Rock. And so, if you would, just remember him uh, during this time. This is an appropriate text for today. Uh, in our text for this morning, we're going to read about the official uh, beginning of Israel's conquest of the promised land. Just to kind of give you, set up the story for you, Moses is dead Joshua is now leading the people of Israel. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan River, all right, and they're poised to cross over into the promised land and begin their conquest. So you can see the red circle there. Uh, it's a town called Shittim. Uh, that's where they're camped. They're going to cross the river of Jericho. Uh, guys, I'm going to want to come back to this map here in a little while, so kind of be ready to come back to that, and, uh, and we'll come back to it. But that's where they are. They've come up the, the kind of the you know, the east side there of the Dead Sea at the bottom of the map. They've done a lot of conquering over on, on, the, on the east side of the river. Now they're ready to cross over. This is the actual, like, beginning of what, fulfilling God's promise to Abraham, okay? The emphasis in this passage is on the idea that God is a God on the move. It really all goes back to Moses' statement to God on Mount Sinai. Moses said in Exodus 33, verse 15, he says, If your presence, remember we said the ark is the symbol of God's presence, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, God, if you're not going with us, if you're not going in front of us, God, if you're not going to be a God on the move, I ain't going anywhere. you got to go with us or we're not moving. 
Moses is telling us here, God is on the move. His presence is not locked in one place, which was a huge contrast to the the localized regional gods of the Egyptians and the Canaanites. All of their gods, all of their pantheon, in in Egypt they were kind of connected to the Nile. In in Canaan they're connected to the fertility cycle of the land. You know, Baal, the storm god, uh, thunders and lightnings and and rains, and then, uh, you know, the earth goddess produces ground, uh, you know, stuff out of the ground. And it was very localized. And Israel's saying, our God is God everywhere. All places. Our God is a God on the move, and there's nowhere our God can go where he's not God. That's what our text is about today. Here's what the Lord wanted his people to know almost 3,500 years ago, and what he wants you to know today. It's our big idea. In the midst of uncertainty and fear, just move the same way the Lord is moving, and you'll be okay. In the midst of uncertainty and fear, if you'll just move the same way the Lord is moving you'll be okay. That's the big idea. You listen for that as we read the text. Before we do, there's something I want you to grab onto. Nearly every time that we're going to read about the ark, nearly every time you're going to see that the ark is mentioned, it's in motion or it's preparing to move. And you're going to see a lot. The word gets used over and over and over again through our passage today. The only time the ark stays still is when the people of God are moving around it and crossing the Jordan River. That's the only time it it seems like it's, it's stationary. The rest of the time, it's in motion. So let's read together this morning, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going, to try, I'm, going to try, I'm going to intentionally read fast. I know some of you are like, you talk too fast. I've had coffee. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't change much about me anyway. Um, but we're, it's chapter 3 and 4, so it's long, and I'm going to move quick. I'm just warning you, okay? Uh, so, so follow along uh, best you can. But, but let's, uh, let's look at this together this morning. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. The Ark is moving through the camp, out toward the river. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, all the ites. See, the Ark of the Covenant is the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go to the Jordan River, uh, Jordan ahead of you. Now, I want to pause right there, real quick. Normally, in, in these Old Testament passages, when you see the word Lord, it's in all capitals. Have you noticed that? That means that it's translating the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, the covenant name. Right there in verse 11, notice it's not in all capitals. That, that's because the Hebrew word there is Adonai, which is the, the, it's, the, it's almost the, um, a title for God. It's this, he's, he's in charge. 
He's in charge of everything. He's the Lord over all, the God over all. And that's the word that's used there. I think that's significant. Verse 12. Now then, choose 12 men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, catch that there, the difference, see the two differences there, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So people crossed over opposite Jericho. Can we bring that map back up, guys, just to kind of orient people on this? I want to bring the map back up so that we can, we can look at this, all right? So you see, this is where they crossed over. Where the little blue wave is in the town of Zarethan, that's 16 miles, now, not in a straight line, because the land, you know, does this, so it's a longer drive, but if it's a straight 16-mile uh, trip uh, between those two points, so you got, you got some distance there. Now, that'll be important later, okay? That's where the water stopped, and then it, it flowed on, and then you can see where they crossed over there, just opposite of Jericho, all right? Let's keep going here. Uh, verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, significant phrase, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Chapter 4. While the whole nation had, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. They're getting special permission. They weren't supposed to go near earlier, remember? Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Now some of you are like, I know, you just read that a little bit ago. Why is there so much repetition? This was originally designed to be shared orally. How do you remember stories? You tell them over and over and over again. That's how you remember stories. And, and while the Israelites were quite literate people, they didn't all have their own copy like we do. And so the, the, there's a lot of repetition, so you remember it, okay? Um, they're there to this day. So Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they're there to this day. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, these are the ones who were going to get an inheritance on the east side of the river, okay? They're going to get land there. They crossed over, ready for battle, in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That's what's happening here. It's a conquest, okay? 
That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Important detail, we'll come back to that. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you, important phrase, you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Okay, what do we do with this? Well, the verse for the day is chapter 3, verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, move. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, move. The Hebrew word translated, move out, nesa, is an important word throughout the story of the Exodus and conquest. It's used about 145 times. Now remember, Israel was originally a, a, a people of herdsmen. You know, Abraham was a Bedouin, basically. And the word literally means to pull up stakes. And what he, it, it, this idea of you pull the stakes out of the ground, you fold up your tent, you pack it up, you move out. And, and it's, it's this idea of journeying in stages. And over and over and over again through this story of, of the Exodus and the conquest, they use this word, nesa. And it's, it's the signal to Israel, pack up, it's time to move. <laughs> we got to go. And so he says to the people, when you see the ark, move. Move out. Go. You move. Remember, the ark is the symbol of God's presence, which means there's two lessons for us in this text, and they relate to the idea that God's presence is on the move. First of all, because, God's presence, because of God's presence in your life, you can move when you're uncertain of the future. Because of God's presence, you can move when you're uncertain of the future. There's this key statement in this text that underscores why all this is important. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 3 again. He says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out, nesa, from your positions and follow it. Get this, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. The whole premise behind what God is saying here is that all this is new to them. They're uncertain of their future, so they need to stay close to the presence of God. In other words, the ark, not too close, mind you, the ark is holy, and there's about, you know, not quite 3,000 feet of distance between them. Stay away, okay? Um, but they need to stay within the, the region of that. And they're, because the ark is holy, they're commanded to consecrate themselves, to be clean, to avoid contact with dead bodies, to even avoid marital intimacy, just to really be focused on God. And they spend three days getting ready to cross. Now, here's a lesson for you this morning. When God is moving slower than you want him to, spend the time getting ready for when he does move. In your life, when, when you're uncertain about the future and you don't know what's coming next and you want God, come on, God, come on. And sometimes we just sit there and we just twiddle our thumbs like, okay, Lord, any day now. <laughs> and I think this would tell us, you spend the time getting ready. If God's not moving as fast as you want, you spend your time getting ready for when he does. 
We've got it backwards. We want him to move before we're ready. We want, like, okay, God, you start moving and then I'll follow. And God says, get your stuff together and follow and then you'll see me move. Here's something we need to understand. The people were told only a couple days in advance of what would happen. They'd never been through anything like this before. Only the oldest among them would have remembered the crossing of the Red Sea 40 years earlier. Remember, you know, that whole generation died off in the wilderness. God let them all die off because of their unfaithfulness. It's just the kids. They were, they were the youngest, you know, the young adults and kids were the only ones who would have remembered that. This is a new generation. They don't know the land. They don't know what they're about to face. They're not told how God is going to get them across on dry ground, just, dry ground, just that they would do it. God's going to figure it out. You just got to move when he moves. There's a whole lot they don't know. There's a whole lot that's uncertain. They've got one command. When you see the ark move, move. Australia's moving. It's not so surprising. The continents, all the continents are on the move. Australia drifts about 70 millimeters to the northeast every year. It's about this much. <laughs> and it's commonly believed that Australia was once connected to both India and Antarctica and broke away at some point in the distant past. I'm going to go with Noah's flood. It's probably when that happened. The continent still shifts away at a rate far too slow for humans to notice, but the, the, their, Australia's journey is now starting to mess with their GPS. So unless they've updated it in the last couple of years, the last time Australia updated their GPS mapping stuff was 1994. The continent has moved about five feet since then, which is really tough for farmers who use GPS-controlled harvesting machines. Because your computer's telling you, oh yes, this is good crops. And your, the front of your combine is telling you, this is a fence. <laughs> you know, it, it's, the, unless they fix it, you know, these, these uh, update the information, there's not going to be too many Aussies that want to get in a driverless car. <laughs> or utilize a shipping drone, you know. Hey, hon, did we get those uh, new steaks from the shipping drone? No. But I think the neighbor's having a barbecue. Everything on earth changes, even continents. But for believers, there are three things that don't change. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And his promises don't change. Those are settled forever. Everything else is up for grabs, though. So if that causes you to feel uncertain about the future, this text should tell you then that you can move even when the future is uncertain as long as you're moving toward more of God's presence in your life. And sometimes God will tell you to do stuff that doesn't make sense. In fact, God often tells us to do stuff that to a, a skeptical, unbelieving world doesn't make sense. Just move. Just move. If he says do, go, you go. If you see God's presence move, move with him. Just move. Move toward him and you're going to be okay. Move toward holiness and love and justice and mercy and you'll be okay even in an uncertain future. Because of God's presence in your life through the Holy Spirit, because you have believed what, that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin, received him as Savior, been baptized, received the Spirit, because of God's presence in your life, you can move even when the future is uncertain. That's one thing. The second thing is this, because of God's presence in your life, you can move when you're afraid of the present. 
It wouldn't surprise me to learn that there was a fair degree of fear in Israel's camp that day. There are some textual clues to this. First of all, the priests carrying the ark are going to have to get wet before they can walk on dry ground. It's the same word that's used in Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea. It's also used in Genesis about the ark in Noah's ark. Joshua 3.16 says, as soon as their feet hit the water, it stopped flowing upstream. Remember the map? That's 16 miles away. So they step into the water, nothing changes as far as they're concerned because it stopped 16 miles away. And I tried unsuccessfully to figure out how long it would take. I'm not awesome at math. Apparently no one else has done the math either. <laughs> like Google, come on, you let me down. Um, I, couldn't, I don't know how long this would have taken, but these priests are slowly with the, with the ark. And by the way, I need to offer a correction. I said last week, it's possible that they could have made gold leaf one micron thick. Some one of our more physics-minded members said, you can't see one micron thick. It's, so it had to have been thicker than that. Still very thin. So it's, you know, they got to carry this thing. It's heavy. So they're, they're wading into the water. It's still flowing. You know, I don't know how long it would have taken before they noticed the difference. Like, hey, is it? Like, I know I took a step, but it didn't get any deeper. You know, these guys had to get wet. All right? The text says the river is at flood stage. That's terrifying. Remember, it's fairly well south in the Holy Land. Lots of little tributaries and wadis feed into this, you know, coming, the snow's coming down from Mount Hermon all the way down. Everything's feeding it. It's at flood stage. This river's roaring through there. Not only that, these, there are 12 guys who get picked out. They've got to go back over near the ark to pick up stones from where it was. That would have been scary because, you know, the ark is this holy thing and you're not supposed to touch it. And, and, and this, you know, this is a scary thing. And then in Joshua chapter 4 verse 10, the text says the people hurried over. <laughs> Because the river was only stopped for a limited amount of time. They're scared. And then in Joshua 4, 18, it says that the water came back the second the priest stepped out of it. Now, logically, think about what that means. All right? So, so let's just say right here that this is the, the, the bank, okay? And this is the water. So what this means is they come up, the last guy, the last guy on the pole comes up out of the water. Whoosh, there's the river. What that means is, God let go 16 miles away before they were done. The water has to travel 16 miles. They weren't out of their way yet. And God let the water go. Oh my goodness. Man, like, oh, this is scary. You, can you imagine what it would have been like to be those guys? Walk out of this river. Martha, did you see that? I think God allowed them to feel that fear so that they'd realize that they were going past a point of no return. I mean, yeah, they're scared. But God's presence was there so they could keep moving. When NASA launches, launches a shuttle, they have this phrase. They use this term, negative return. And what that means is that um, the, the shuttle is flying too far downrange and too high to return to the launch site in the event of an engine failure. It also means that, the, you know, barring any tragic mishaps like the Columbia, the, the, the astronauts are going to reach their goal. They're going to make it into orbit. When, when Israel crossed the river, it was a negative return. You can't go back. I think that that, that was designed to tell them, you all have passed the point of no return. There's no going back here. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to take this land because our God is a God on the move. 
I believe that Joshua and Yeshua are telling you today, the only way to get over your fear of the present is to move toward the presence. Move toward the presence of God. Well, how do you do that? In the face of fear, the Apostle John says, you love. You love. In 1 John 4, 17 and 18, John writes this, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. One who fears is not made perfect in love. Listen, if you're afraid of the future, the only way to experience the power and presence of God is to choose love. That's what Jesus did. He knew he was going to be betrayed that night and he still washed Judas' feet. He chose love. Jesus didn't want to die on the cross He didn't want to do that. He prayed three times. Father, if there's any other way, now would be a good time to make that known. It's kind of a Casey Scott paraphrase. He didn't want to. Was he afraid? Humanly? I would have been. You ever seen a crucifixion or read about it? It's horrific. And yet, in the face of that, Jesus loved. He washed the feet of the man who would betray him. The only way to move when you're afraid, when the only way to move when you're afraid of the present is love. And no matter if you're uncertain of the future or afraid of the present, there's one more thing you need to do. And I'm going to move quickly here. You've got to memorialize the move. You've got to memorialize the move. God commanded the Israelites, you tell this story again. You know, these stones are taken out of the riverbed. They would have seemed different in that land. All the stones there are rough. These stones are out of the middle of the river. They're smooth. (laughs) You see a stack of 12 smooth stones in a land of rough stones. What's that? What are those for? And the people there (laughs) were supposed to tell the story, to memorialize the move. And I want you to notice the pronoun you in Joshua 4.23. Look at this. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. Now, in context, this is what the parents are supposed to tell the kids generations later. This this is what the parents are supposed to tell the kids when they're journeying through the land that they've conquered and they see this stack of 12 smooth stones in a land of rough stones and the kids say, Dad, what's that? Ah, this is when God dried up the Jordan River for you. They didn't cross the river. And yet they're included in the story. They're included in the story. Here's the application for us. When you learn by faith in Jesus to move toward the presence of God in an uncertain future and toward the presence of God in the midst of your present fear, then you need to find a way to remember that and tell someone how God brought you through it. One of the best ways to witness to an unbelieving world is to say, I was afraid and God brought me through this. I blew it yesterday. I was out and about, I won't say where, but two employees at a place uh, where um, I was got into a fight, like argument, loud, yelling at each other. And um, 
someone else who was there, uh, a, a very um, a, a woman about my age, but much, much smaller than me, <laughs> four foot nothing, um, looked at me like, you going to do something? <laughs> okay, so I kind of went close and I listened a little bit and it sounded like one of them was trying to shut it down. Okay, I think they're all right. And I walked out of there and my soul said, you chicken. It's hard to move when we're afraid. Hard to move when we're uncertain about the future. And yet, our Jesus is out there in front of us. And he will get you through that. See, the reason we memorialize Veterans Day is so we won't forget about those who suffered and sacrificed so much for our freedoms. What if you did that with your faith? You've probably all been places and seen a, a stone standing on, on, on this place, on this day. These brave men and women gave their lives for this cause. What if you did that with your faith? What if every single time you saw a cross, you said, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me? What if every single time you, you heard a, a verse of, of Scripture mentioned or referenced in public, you turned to the person nearby you and said, hey, have you ever read the Bible? Let me tell you about my favorite verse. What if every time you saw a baptism here at Chapel Rock, you went home and you called your, your kids or your grandkids and you told them, hey, we had a baptism at Chapel Rock today. It was great. Somebody gave their life to Jesus. Have I told you about the time I got baptized? Yeah, Dad. Well, let me tell you again. Because when you're old, you can do that and nobody cares, right? <laughs> what are they going to say? Um, what if we learned to do this? I'm pretty sure that we could be pretty confident that the generations who follow us would know and love the Lord. We learn to memorialize the times that God moved in our life. You see, to me, that gives me hope in a world of uncertainty and fear. And instead of being frozen by not knowing what to do or locked in place by fear, we can move out in faith and love into a future because we know that the presence of the Lord is there because our God is a God on the move. See, in the midst of uncertainty and fear, you just move the same way the Lord is moving, and you'll be okay. It will be okay. Are you going to move with Him today? Are you going to follow Jesus? Some of you may need to pass through the waters and be baptized. Some of you here may have a worry or a fear. This, your future is uncertain. There's something you're afraid of. Our decision counselors are going to be down front, and if you need someone to pray with you about that, you can come while we sing. Maybe you need to tell someone what the Lord has done for you. It's okay to turn to your neighbor always singing and say, I got to tell you what God did for me this week. He moved, and I got to tell someone because I'm going to pop if I don't. Maybe you want to go to the next step room, talk to one of our leaders, and just say, God did this for me this week. I need to tell somebody. What do I do with it? <laughs> and have a conversation about that. I'm not sure how God is moving in your heart. He's challenged me by that this week. That wasn't, didn't, didn't live it out like I want to. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it going, okay, Lord, all right, I got it. Let's, let's stand together and you respond as God leads you today as we sing. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light.
Anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight Anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served I know, I know, I know, I know God is on the move Let's say our benediction together and we'll, uh, we'll let you go today.